Good morning. Welcome to those of you online today, including my lovely bride, Miss Karen, as she's at home, and and uh, to the many of you that are here today. What a great attendance, and we're very thankful about that. If you're at home today, uh, later on in the service, uh, we're going to celebrate communion together, and we have a kind of a neat little uh, package, and I'll, we'll talk about that after I have some remarks, but uh, if you're at home, you might think about what you might have that you might use as emblems there today. Maybe Coke and crackers, whatever it is, but you might think about what you have and kind of be prepared for that when it happens. Thinking about answered prayer, I, I see a lot about here. I see uh, Lisa finished with uh, chemo back here. Uh, Bill McClure after chemo, and then he was invaded by the stones. I'll let you leave that up to your imagination, but all has come out well, correct? Good. Danny uh, is in the back. He had two stints this week. He's in worship today and uh, keeping a safe distance, but we're thankful again to see him. Um, Garth and Gage Hill both tested positive a couple weeks ago, and, and they're doing very well. Gage has already uh, finished his quarantine time and headed for college, and Garth's home kind of finishing out the end of his time, but um, the, their symptoms were very mild. We're very thankful. A number of you have been gracious ask about Karen. She's doing well. Each day's a little better. Uh, looks like about October 10th before she can put weight back on that leg. She'll be praying for her. Uh, she's a very patient sort, so I'm sure that'll go well. So we'll leave that to your imagination. So we're going to be in Joshua for the next four weeks. We're going to be in the 24th chapter. That's where we're going to spend our time. You're going to see that, that unfold. If you think about it in your Old Testament, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. That's where we're going to find it. I don't know about you, but when I go in places, and I love to see plaques and stuff on the wall. I, I, I'm just mesmerized. I go in and people have these things on the walls, and you see and there's a lock shop up in Springdale. Malkies, I mean, you, can, you could spend weeks in there reading all the ones that they've got on the wall. They're everywhere. But I like some of them. I was thinking about the one at Guido's here in Tawnytown. And it says this. It says, pray. Then when you get up off your knees, hustle. And I thought, well, there's a lot of truth in that. Pray. And when you get up off your knees, hustle. I think about a saying that Churchill that I've seen up before. It said this. It says, and this is, a, I think, a great lesson in ourselves. Listen to what he said. We make a living by what we get. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Isn't that the truth? We make a living by what we get, give, get, but we make a life by what we give. And then there's that great uh, philosopher Jim Croce, and he said this. He said, "I won't try to sing it. Is that okay, Barbara? Don't tug on Superman's cape. Don't spit in the wind." Don't take the mask off an of old Lone Ranger, and don't mess around with Jim. Okay, some of you know that. But see, those are all very uh, meaningful, sometimes profound in the things that they tell us. But you know what we're going to run across in, in Joshua 24? We're going to run across one that is very, very consequential. And what we're going to do, it's consequential to me, to you, to your families, but what we're going to do over these next few weeks is we're going to start to understand 
how consequential it is as we make decisions for our life. So you're in Joshua 24, if you're following with me. We're in verse 15. We're going to read 15. Here we go. But if serving the Lord, this is Joshua talking to the people of Israel, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the gods of your ancestors serve beyond that serve beyond the Euphrates, or if it's the God of the Amorites in whose land we are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, the title that you're going to hear as a thread through this next four weeks is very simply this. But for me and my household, that's going to be the title of this sequence, these four weeks. But for me and my household, and what you're going to do is you're going to be challenged to try to figure out, because up above our, uh, our stovetop thing, and embedded in there that Mr. Tim did very well at this tile business, there's embedded in there this very verse above that. But you're going to be challenged over these next days to think about, is that part that we just, but for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Is that just a cool plaque that people hang in their house? Or is it truly the way you're going to choose to live your life? Because a lot of people have that hanging up. I, you know, I'm going to get off my notes. This is always real dangerous for me. But I had a guy that used to work for me, and he left, and another guy that came to work and moved in and bought that house. And so when he bought the house, they were pretty excited because there was this wonderful needlepoint that, that the people who had left the house left hanging on the walls on the steps down to the basement. They were, you know, they were enamored by it. They thought that was pretty neat. Hey, they, they, it's kind of like a housewarming gift. Well, later on, they started to paint the walls, and when they took the sign down, guess what was behind it? A hole in the sheetrock the size of a man's fist. A long way from being a happy household. But see, we'll make those decisions about what are we going to do who are we going to serve? Is it literally just a plaque, or is it, in fact, something to live by? As a leader in your family, or some of you younger ones, you say, well, I'm not a leader in my family, but there'll be a day you'll be a leader in your family. And in each of your circumstances, what you're going to decide is you're going to decide, who will my household serve? Who will my household serve? Revelations 3 says this. It says, this is taken from the study Bible. It was written to the church of Laodicea. I kind of remember that because to me it's kind of like a lazy church. They just chose to be lukewarm, right? This is what it says in, in Revelation 3.15. I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. How I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to vomit you your scripture may say spit you, vomit you out of my mouth. It's not a pretty statement when you, when you hear the Lord telling us, I wish that you were either hot or cold. And of course, what he wants us to be is hot for, for our faith. Will it be the Lord that I will serve? And will that be where my attention is? Or maybe we could fill in the blanks. Well, my household, we're going to serve something else. We're going to serve my career, or we're going to serve athletics, or whatever the things are that we're going to serve. But we ask ourselves, what will our house serve? 
And see, we're going to examine that in this chapter 24 over the next weeks. Why are we going to examine that? Because it's exactly where Joshua was when he made this statement, and he asked the people, the people of Israel, that very same thing. He said, will you serve the Lord or not? Paraphrased. Will you serve the Lord or not? But then he went on to say, but you've got to choose one. You don't get to have a foot in both worlds. Because by default, if you decide to have a foot in both worlds, you really got both feet in the world, right? And he's saying you've got to choose one. Do you, do you plan to serve the Lord or not? So let's do just a little background on our primary character, this Joshua. Because our goal is pretty straightforward. What Joshua is doing and what he starts in chapter 24 is he starts to talk about kind of the, the people of faith that were before him. He rewinds 500 years in, in, in chapter 24, and he talks about Terah, who was the father of Abraham. And he goes on through, he just kind of goes through this systematic process of counting what God had done for his people. So why was he doing it? He was reminding them, hey, this wasn't God's first day. He's had a path. This is what he's been doing. He's been faithful all of this time. And Joshua asked that question to the people of Israel. He asked him, he said, well, who will you serve? The Lord God or other gods? Because remember what had happened is the people of that time had imported these foreign gods into their lives. And he was saying, you've got to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Now see, we may not have Buddha on our mantle, but the reality is many of us live with idols. Because what we've done, and idols, whatever you put out, ahead of the Heavenly Father. We'll have to ask ourselves what is now this 3,000-year-old question, who will I serve? See, he asked the people, when he was talking to him. he asked him, he said, will you covenant with me? Let's talk about maybe a little more modern term. He said, will you contract with me to do that? Will you contract with me to serve God and only Him? See, he wasn't saying, I just want you to kind of put him ahead of the other gods that you have. He was saying, I need him to be the only God in your household. And isn't that hard? It's hard for us when we shape our priorities and we let things shove out the very fact of who is number one in our life and is God really that number one. See, Joshua's mentioned in in Genesis or in Exodus and in Numbers before this, as they kind of lead up to what we're reading today, he was Moses' assistant, and he was called Joshua by Moses. Now he's also known as Yeshua or Joshua, son of Nun, and he was born in Egypt prior to the time of the Exodus, and that and he was part literally he was part of the people that were involved in the Exodus from Egypt. And you'll remember that Moses went to Pharaoh because that was his job. He went to Pharaoh with the commission from God, and he said, you need to let my people go. Well, we know what happened is it took some time, and it took a number of plagues before that played out. And Pharaoh would reluctantly release the Israelites to go. So I would encourage you, Joshua 20, we, we preached about this over the, over the book of Joshua some couple years ago. But I would, I, I would invite you to go back. It's, it's an action-packed, lot of great information in this whole book. I'd encourage you to go back and read this whole book. 
See, this name Joshua is representative of his task. It was common for that to happen back in those days. But Joshua was representative of his task. And what it meant was Joshua meant to rescue. It meant to deliver. It meant to save. It meant salvation. Now you may say, well, you know what? I thought that was what Jesus meant. Well, true story. It is. Because the root word for Jesus and Joshua are the same things. And so Joshua in his time, pre-Jesus, he was in that he was involved in the salvation, saving, rescuing the people of Israel, bringing them out of bondage and crossing the river to occupy their new land. You may remember that before he was a leader, that he was one of the twelve spies. Remember that they picked they out of the twelve tribes, they picked one person each of the 12 tribes, and they sent them to spy out this land of milk and honey, this land called Canaan. Now, under God's direction, what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to spy out the land. It wasn't to make some subjective opinion about it. It was just to figure out where things are, how do we do it, because God's given us this territory. Well, after 40 days, when they came back, you may remember, if you're kind of a student of this, you may remember that only Joshua and Caleb, two of the twelve, that came back with, with a good report. They said, yes, let's go ahead. God has told us that's what we're supposed to do. Let's go ahead and we'll go occupy this land. But you remember there were ten, ten that characterized the, the enemies as giants. They said, when we, when we our physical stature... If we were to get up beside those, we would look like stinking grasshoppers up beside them. And they said, you know, they went around spreading what I, you know, the scripture calls it a, a bad report. I call it, a, a, you know, just negativism. They were explaining all the reasons. I, I, I know what God said. I, I, I get that. But the reality is, you know, hey, we don't stand a chance. Well, they, they thought with man's mind, not with God's mind. So instead, what happened is they didn't go. And so for one, one year, for every day the spies were there, 40 years, they got to wander around in the desert. They got to wander around in the desert. After Moses' death, Joshua, our character that we're studying, he led the Israelites across the Jordan, and they, and they booted out the people that were occupying that land that God had ordained for them. And then what Joshua did is he allocated the territories, he, he allocated the land to those 12 tribes. Well, see, if we think about Joshua, he offers us some great leadership ideas. When he talks about that, he says this, as a spy, Joshua had a lot of backbone. Because what he knew is God had given his word and he had prophesied that this was their land to take. Now, I'll tell you, and you probably know this from your own life, that going along is often a lot easier, right? Going along is often a lot easier. Sometimes it's the safest bet. There's a phrase that says, go along to get along. Have you ever heard that? Go along to get along. Well, I think in Joshua's situation, he wasn't as worried about what the peers would think. He wasn't as worried about confrontation but what he worried about was his style was, I, I'm, Joshua, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Well, isn't there a great lesson in that for us? 
because especially you young people, you're going to face peer pressure. And oftentimes you're going to be tempted to go along, to get along, to not be rejected, to not be accepted. But see, what we need to do is we need to stand firm just like he did. See, he paid great attention, Joshua did, to his mentor, Moses. See, we've often talked about in here, we've often talked about seeking counsel. But what we talk about is not seeking counsel, but seeking wise counsel. Because believe me, if you any place out in the world, you'll find, you can find somebody that's going to give you an opinion, right? There, you know, if you've got a problem and you just kind of voice it, you're going to have any number of people that are going to try to help you solve it. But what he learned from Moses is he learned the difference about not being controlled by your feelings, not being controlled by your emotions, but realizing that real wisdom is rooted in God's word. It's rooted in the discernment and the understanding and knowledge of God's word. See, Joshua trusted that God patterns his footsteps. How many of you in here, and you can raise up your hand or not, how many of you believe that God patterns your footsteps? Okay, I do. You know, I talked about it a couple weeks ago when I talked that when I started kind of this career path and moving our family all over, you know, it would have been a pretty foggy thing. But, but if you believe he patterns your footsteps and you look back, you start to understand what he's doing and where he's moving you to and that things have purposes if you're trying to live a life of faith. But see, Joshua, he, he believed that God patterned his footsteps. And so he was much less worried about the drumbeat of other people and their opinions. He wasn't worried about worrying about all the social causes. And right now, see, we can get tied up with all the social causes and trying to figure out who does what. But the reality is the social cause that I'm worried about, I want to be, I want God to pattern my steps. I want to live consistent with what God's word is and what he's told us to do. Joshua did that. One example that you might remember is Joshua was the first city that they were going to come to was Jericho. And so, now, you know, they, when they were spending this 40 years, they weren't just hanging out under rocks, okay? They were doing things. They were training, uh, they were training fighting forces and learning how to do things and how to defend themselves. They knew there were things ahead that they'd have to be responsible for. And so when they came to Jericho, you know, God says, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go to this walled city, this fortress city, and I want you to walk around it once a day with all your people all the way around there. Second day, guess what I want you to do? I want you to walk around there with all your people again. Third day, you get the hint right, all the way through the sixth day, walk around it. When the seventh day came, he said this. He said, now, what I want you to do is I want you to walk all the way around that, and then when you've walked all the way around it, then what you'll do is you'll the shofars, which were horns, ram's horns, You'll blow the horns, and then everybody will just yell at the top of their lungs. Now, okay, I had a little military experience. If somebody had told me that, I'd say, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going to try that. I'm sure that's going to work. And, you know, but here's Joshua. I'm thinking, okay, he's, he's raised the fighting force. They, they, they realize they're going to have to kick all these people, some of them giants, out of the land. And he's raised this fighting force, and God says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you basically just to walk around the building seven times. 
Doesn't seem very logical, does it? Sometimes things we get called to don't at first seem to be very logical. But the reality of what happened is they did that. The walls fell. The people were confused. They fought each other. And then his reputation spread so that the other people, oftentimes, he didn't even have to fight them. Oftentimes they just run because they heard that God was on his side. And obviously their, his God was bigger than their God. It's a great book and one we're going to spend time on over the next few weeks. What I'd like to, to, you, to do, though, as we go through this, I'd really like for you to examine your commitment to the Lord over this next month. You can start today. But I'd like for you to examine your commitment and the commitment of your household to the Lord. Where do you stand? Can you say irrefutably that He is number one? And I make my decisions around my faith. I think it's a great question to ask ourselves. Will me and my household, will we serve the Lord? Is that what we'll do? Kevin Lance sent me an email this week and he said at the very, he'd written about something at the very end he had, I don't know what you call it, like a little quotation or a byline or something. How a lot of people do, they'll put something right above their signature that's on all their emails. What his says, Christ over culture. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, that's three words, but how appropriate that is. Christ over culture. Because the reality is each one of us, as we think about who will my household serve, we're going to have to examine that. We we're going to have to examine the culture we're in. We're going to have to examine what everybody else thinks about us and what everybody else thinks we're supposed to be doing and think about Am I really putting Christ over culture as I think about whether or not me and my household are going to serve the Lord? Bow your heads with me. Father, we're thankful that you've offered us this time together, this, this, uh, this look into Joshua and the fact of what he said and what he did and how he led his life and how he led those people. And Father, I pray that, uh, that truly what we'll do is we'll search our life, our heart, our motives. And we'll ask ourselves that question. It's a simple question, but it's not a simple question. Father, who in fact will my household serve? Will it in fact be to serve you? Or I can maybe fill in the blanks that other things always seem to become more important. But Father, I pray that, the, that, the, that our prayer for freedom and for those watching online that they'll truly step up and say no for me and my household we indeed will serve the lord father we love you we're thankful for the answered prayers we've seen we just pray eric right now is in surgery for appendicitis lord that he just last night popped up father and he's in surgery i pray that you you guide the hands of the surgeons giving giving complete and quick recovery father get restore his health in Jesus' name, amen.